Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz, and I am your host for these podcasts. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Uh, Some months ago, I did two podcasts, uh, probably three or four podcasts total on the whole uh, topic of ordaining women, uh, particularly in the Christian Missionary Alliance. And this was a decision that the Alliance made last summer uh, to ordain women uh, for ministry. And it's been a healthy conversation. And I believe as you listen back over those podcasts, if you haven't already, you'll find that they have been respectful conversations. Well, today I'm continuing that conversation with a pastor by the name of Jeremy Muncy. Um, on how to influence from the inside. There has been reactions, there has been responses. Some churches have left over this. A lot of pastors don't know what to do. But what Jeremy and his staff at his church have done is started a movement of sorts, a network called One Nine Alliance, as a way to respond productively and perhaps bring back uh, the church, the denomination, to... Uh, some core pieces of, uh, of doctrine related to ordaining women as well as other areas. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump into that uh, really quickly here, but just to say that Jeremy, I asked him for a bio, and this is what he said. <laughs> Jeremy loves Jesus. He loves his wife, his children, and his church. He pastors at Westwood Alliance Church in Mansfield, Ohio, where he has served for the past 11 years. It was an awesome conversation. You'll hear uh, his gracious heart, and uh, and hopefully my heart was gracious as well. I'll let you decide that. But let's jump into that conversation right now. All right. Well, I have Jeremy Muncy on Zoom here. Jeremy, good to see you. Talked yeah. to you a couple of times. I think I've seen you by video once or twice before, but thank you for being part of this podcast. It's great to be with you, brother. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about uh, the Alliance and the Christian Missionary Alliance. Both you and I are ordained with them, and uh, you have started a, I guess, a movement of wanting to see change from the inside. Uh, I've done a couple podcasts already uh, on the issue of the the Alliance decision to ordain women, and uh, you all have approached that in a very unique, creative way. So, uh, you know, a lot of lot of movements have have seen. Uh, changes from the inside. People react to uh, what they believe is wrong within a movement or denomination historically, and some of that has gone well, some of that has not. So we're going to be delving uh, into what you're doing there. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, what led you there. And I also also love to ask people what they're most passionate about. Yeah, well, I just really appreciate you wanting to have this conversation. And uh, thank you, for your years of service in the denomination. I know many pastors have been blessed by you and continue to be blessed by you, uh, by your podcast and just your ministry in general. Fruitful Vines has been a blessing, I know, to, to many. Um, man, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about myself. I mean, I'm just, I, <laughs> well, I'm what just do you... pastoring in, in Mansfield, Ohio. Okay. Uh, I love my church family. Uh, I, I'm one of the most blessed pastors Uh that I know. I mean, I, I have a, a great elder board, great staff, mm-hmm. great congregation, just faithful people. Um, and, and most of that was because the, the church has been built on a, a rich heritage 
Mm. Uh, the pastor before me was my pastor growing up, uh, faithful um, disciple maker, preacher of God's word, faithful shepherd, loved his people well, loved me well, mentored me. Mm. Um, I went to uh, Southern Seminary largely because he recommended Southern Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a church down there for about six years, maybe a little longer, and uh, and he shepherded me all along the way. You know, um, mm-hmm. I was a young, distance, young, yeah. young pastor. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, with a, a church relaunch, which is kind of like a church plant. With uh, mm-hmm. anyways, um, but so I mean, I got into the ministry largely because of uh, Reverend Doyle Payton. I mean, he poured into me. I saw what he was doing. I saw how valuable it was. Um, as I talked to other Christians, I, I recognize this isn't normal, the experience mm. I have with a faithful mm. uh, pastor like this who's pouring into young leaders. And uh, and so um, I just had a desire to do that too. And uh, it, it was clear God was calling me into pastoral ministry in my fourth year, my undergraduate at Ohio State. I was going to be a teacher and a high school football coach. I actually do coach high school football, but I'm not a, not necessarily a teacher anymore. I taught for a couple of years, uh, chemistry and biology, but, um, but yeah, God, God just really made it clear to me that, uh, he did want me to teach, but he wanted me to teach his word. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to help lead, um, the local church. And, and so that's what I've been doing. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm most passionate about, uh, I'm passionate about the church, about the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love Jesus. I, I love his people. I want to see them healthy. I want to see them resting in him, finding their joy and their identity and just everything in him. Mm, so love it. that's love what drives it. me. Well, what I hear you say is you want to invest in others what was invested in you. Oh, yeah. You, that's, that's a uh, yeah, better way of saying powerful. it. <laughs> love, love, to, love to do a podcast on that. that uh, that's that's For definitely sure. Neat. I think pastors can get lost in themselves and their ministry, and they they forget the impact they can have on the future generation. Oh, you know. you're right. They forget they're going to die one day. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. that they're not—they're yeah. not ultimate. They're not supreme. Yeah. And uh, and man, so yeah, we have an academy at our church that uh, undergraduate level theological education to train up pastors mm-hmm. and church leaders, missionaries, anyone who wants to. And we have an internship that's really been a blessing. And absolutely, he he handed that to me. He handed that yeah. torch to me, even though we didn't have those things established yet formally. He was doing it all organically. Mm-hmm. I love so, that. Very yeah. intentional and in seeing disciples made. Amen. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think one of the things, uh, you know, I'm I'm 62 and I'm still doing weddings for younger people that were in my church when I was younger, and mm-hmm. that overwhelms me. And I think I I underestimated the value of my relationship with a lot of these you know kids at that time or youth. Yeah. Groups. Yeah, and, um, and realize they're they're looking up to us. You know, we're we're uh, an example and influence to them. So um, that's well, that's good. So you've been uh, wife and kids. I assume? yeah, I've been good. married uh, twenty. It'll be twenty one years. Okay. Um, in March, uh, I have two children. I have an eighteen year old, or no, I take that back. A seventeen year old getting ready to turn eighteen, mm-hmm. and then um, I have a sixteen year old. So. Yeah, a senior daughter in high school and a sophomore son, Addie and Grady, and my wife's name is Jill. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's go. Well, thanks for uh, introducing yourself. So you've been uh, you've been in the Alliance for how many years then? Uh, I've been in the Alliance since I was in middle school, mm-hmm. um, but I've been uh, a pastor, a licensed pastor, ordained or whatever, um, about sixteen or seventeen years, I think. Um, okay. okay. So yeah. 
Well, as we as we begin to, I, I've done a couple podcasts already on uh, you know the the impact of the decision the alliance made to ordain women, and um, one one of them was not critical but quite strong in our our reaction to that. Um, and you, um, so when did you begin to pick up that this was going to happen or potentially would happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say. When we when the conversation was brought up, uh, I, I remember this is a little bit before the, the vote. I think it was two years before the vote. Am I correct in saying mm -hmm. that? Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. I had already met folks in the CMA that were um, that that were thinking that we needed to move in this direction. Um, probably three or four years before that, I was at a conference for millennial leaders, uh, and you know it was clear in the room. One of the young leaders brought up the idea of ordaining women, and it was clear in the room that many of the folks that were in there were um, in agreement. And mm -hmm. and that, that was kind of like, okay, that was the first time that I really thought, wow, this is probably something that's going to be on the horizon very soon. And it was, it was very, very soon after the conversation was started. So, yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question that I didn't send to you, but I, I think it might help us to, to prep this in, in a way where the conversation can be, uh, really constructive because one one of the things I'm uh, you know I've been ordained for 38 years with the alliance and I have such huge respect I've seen a lot of changes in the last decade uh, how how should we have conversations about things that concern us within a movement like this what what is the what is this not just safe way because I remember one time someone saying that it's it's hard to uh, to to resist when you know a denomination is strong. Um, so what what would be some of the key things you feel are necessary to to challenge something within a movement that we feel uh, is either misguided or even an error? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Uh, that's a good question, and I, I definitely don't have a, a you know don't have some amazing answer it's pretty simple i think well, let's let the question be amazing then and yeah just keep that. I was yeah <laughs> I, yeah i think mm. you have to go to the word of god and say okay how does the word of god the word of god's mm. the foundation of everything in the christian mm. life um everything that we know everything that we believe and everything that we need in order to to live a life of of faith and and godliness uh mm -hmm. is revealed in the scriptures and so you have to assume the Bible has some information on how to how to disagree, or how to bring up concerns, or how to confront something when it seems to be uh, to be wrong. And so, uh, I think the Bible is pretty clear that when we are correcting someone, whether it be you know an opponent that is in the church or outside the church, I don't mean an opponent like a like an enemy. I just mean somebody that differs with with you on on, on a different side on this issue mm -hmm. or. Uh, you know, we should do that with gentleness. We should do it with love. We should do it with uh, patience. We should assume the best about them, not not the worst. Um, and so, I think if if there's like one word that I could use, uh, we need to approach confrontation in these kinds of ways with humility. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but that I don't mean a lack of conviction, because I think there's nothing more humble than to bow before the Word of God and to uh, to say I'm gonna I'm gonna live my life I'm gonna submit to this book no matter what it says no matter how difficult it is no matter um, how much it differs even with what with the way I'm feeling or the way I mm -hmm. think right now mm. so um, 
So yeah, I, I think that's the main thing to come at it humbly, to assume the best, to, to approach them in the same way that we would hope someone would approach us. Yeah, I love if, that. If they saw something, you know, in us that yeah. was awry. Yeah. Well, as you're as you're saying that, I'm thinking of Colossians three sixteen. Uh, Let the word of God or the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another yes. in all wisdom. And I think there's a verse similar to that in Ephesians that says admonish with wisdom and understand. Uh, so when yeah. we do admonish, there has to be a, a high level of of wisdom on how we do that. And if you look right. at wisdom, it's, it's, you know, it's the spirit of God revealing to us through his word uh, what he wants. It, it takes it takes wisdom and understanding, which probably encompasses a lot of, you know, what are the, the cultural things that have happened historically, what's happened, uh, and then admonish, you know, and I, I think we're scared of admonishing one another because right. uh, we we will react defensively. And, and honestly, I think the conversations I've had with leadership on this issue, uh, there's been a lot of grace, and I've, yeah. I've really appreciated that. Um, so, okay, well, that, that's really helpful. Thanks for that. Um, so there was a reaction to this. Um, some of my podcasts, we, we actually talked to some people who've left the Alliance over this. And um, what made you decide to stay? And, and then as you answer that, talk about the forming of uh, 1-9 Alliance. And yeah. That is because I imagine yeah. a lot of conversations with your leadership. Like, what do we do with? We we definitely had conversations. I mean, no doubt, any good uh, leaders would. Um, man, th- there are so many variables that played into why we stayed. It's it's really hard to um, say just one. I'd say I'd say for for one thing, it, they are not forcing us. Even though these decisions were made, and we disagree with them, we think they're they're actually unbiblical. Um, they're not forcing us to do anything that is against our conscience and understanding of scripture. And so that was huge. So if they said, you know, you have to have female pastors on your staff or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. we would have had to have left to, to honor the Lord and what we feel his word teaches. Um, so that's one reason why they, they, they didn't shove it down our throats and say, you guys must do this. And mm-hmm. they're just, they're allowing it. Um, I do think it's problematic that they're allowing it. I think it's problematic for missions and church planting and all kinds of other things that are really important and near and dear to my heart. Uh, but, um, you know, another reason why we decided to stay was just so many relationships that mm. we had already in the CMA. You know, uh, I know you know this, brother, a big part of ministry, and if you read the New Testament, a big part of the the ministry of the apostles was relational. They knew each other. They knew these other churches. They knew these other Christians. They knew what was going on and they were partnering together and there was a bond and and they had disagreements at times. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you look at uh, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and that whole disagreement that arose there and actually they decided to do ministry apart from each other, which was, which is an interesting um, passage and don't want to read too much into it, but I think right now, um, what's going on in the in the denomination is uh, it's in a way uh, problematic, but at the same time, God has used it for for great things. I think when that, at least for us who are uh, traditional complementarians, when that kind of bomb went off and we realized, wow, uh, churches are going to be allowed now to practice something that we feel like is unbiblical. I think it made a lot of us say, okay, what's going on here? And we kind of looked around and um, I've used this illustration before. It was like, 
you know, there's a large bang and all these gophers popped their heads out of their holes. And they were just, they were in there doing local church ministry, faithfully just serving their congregations and probably should have been a lot more involved in the denomination. And, mm. and that goes, that goes, I would include myself in that category as, mm. you know, I, I wish 16 years ago, 17 years ago, um, I would have been, I would have had more fervor to see other churches and other leaders have a healthy view of the authority and sufficiency of the word. Um, but that being said, um, God has used this. And, and so what made us decide to stay? I think one, I, I feel like convictionally we, we can stay, uh, because there's not being forced on us. Also, number two would be relationships. And then, uh, number three would just be, I think you have to look at what, what is the great, what is the, the biggest, most important, um, reason God still has Christians on this earth. It is to fulfill the great commission. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had to ask myself, can I fulfill the great commission better apart from the CMA or within the CMA? And the answer to that question right now is, is a strong by staying within the Mm -hmm. CMA. Um, You know, I think many of us would say this, as soon as we're no longer able to be uh, fruitful by staying in the CMA and no longer able to obey the Great Commission with with the same kind of fervor and and fruitfulness. Uh, we should probably consider whether or not God wants us here anymore. So yeah, yeah, okay. Are you are you producing, uh, for lack of a better term, your own missionaries uh, as your our congregation? To- yeah. 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 So uh, yes. Um, you know, we, we've, uh, we have a, a strong heart for, for global missions and, um, you know, over the years, Westwood has, has sent missionaries, but, um, but we have, I, I would say right now, a, a big heart to see the United States and our region impacted as well. Uh, I could go into detail about our vision for all that, but I, maybe that's for another time. Yeah, um, yeah, training up healthy pastors and healthy leaders for the the local church here in the United States. But, um, but yeah, by all means, yeah, you don't know how many times I've interviewed someone and they bring up something, and later that becomes another podcast. So I've, I've already got a couple things here that you've said that, like, hey, I'd love to love to develop that in a, another conversation. Uh, so one nine alliance, what what is that? How did it come to be, and what's what's its uh, What's its purpose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it comes from so the the name, and some people ask about the name. It comes from Titus one nine, and uh, Titus one nine says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So there's this there is this uh, holding firm to the word uh, kind of uh, mission, you could say, that the one nine has, and. And we've kind of defined what uh, that looks like, at least for us in our core commitments. But it was formed, um, you know, we, we weren't even thinking about forming it until uh, council. I guess we had talked about, you know, how do we build camaraderie? How do we find other like-minded folks? Because uh, a lot of pastors were looking at leaving the denomination. Uh, and we said, well, we, I don't know if we, we want to see that happen. And so how can we form something where there's some camaraderie and there's some convictional, you know, beliefs here at the same time, um, though being a part of the the CMA. And so 
Um, I don't know. I don't even know how many people came to the luncheon that we had. We had a lunch and we just invited some like-minded brothers. So, hey, just bring anybody that you think would be blessed. Let's just get together and pray. Let's just so pray. other pastors in the area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. This would be at General Council. So oh, we, I we see. Were in, gotcha. Oh, okay. Up in Washington, and mm. um, and so we 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 uh we rented out a, a restaurant room, and I think we ended up we tried to get a table for like twelve or something like that. Mm. And I'm getting the numbers probably all wrong, but all I can say is the table was completely full. There were twenty mm. something people that showed up, and you could tell these were individuals that loved the denomination were, were kind of grieving over what was happening mm-hmm. and, and concerned that they weren't going to be able to be a part of it anymore. And, um, and that was kind of the moment when I was like, okay, uh, I'm looking around the room. I'm seeing people that have been in the CMA for 30, 40 years. And my heart is breaking for some of these folks right now because they legitimately feel like the denomination is leaving them mm-hmm. and, uh, is, has betrayed them. And, um, and, you know, we can talk about that and, and, and whether or not there was any validity to that or not. But I, I believe that uh, if we didn't do something, we would have lost a lot more pastors and workers. Mm, mm. And so, and, and not only that, but uh, yeah, not, to, not to say anything bad about other denominations or any denomination um, for that matter in particular, but where are you going to go if you leave the CMA? What mm. denomination are you going to go to that doesn't have its own problem? And uh, and so I don't know. I I, I want to be loyal, I, I mm. guess, and I want to be loyal not only just to the, first off to the Lord and to His Word, but to my brothers and sisters that are serving in the same denomination to me, or at same denomination as me first. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. before we just give up on these folks, and before we give up on the denomination that's done so much for us and blessed the the world so much with uh, missions and all that. Um, why not stay and try to be an agent for positive change mm-hmm. and movement within? Yeah, yeah. So that that's the whole mission, really, of of the One Alliance is to influence change from the inside. Um, yeah, I'm so tempted to ask you right now, and I'll ask it, but I think we probably need to talk a little more before you can answer this. But I'd be curious. So just hold on to this, and I'll come back to it. What would be the point where? You would say no, it's not working, and we have no choice but to you know consider another option. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll come back to that hopefully. Otherwise, it'll be another podcast. Sure. <laughs> but okay, so um, the the lunch at council, uh, one alliance was formed. Uh, to talk about the process of how you expanded that. It's like you threw a rock and it just the ripples went out, and eventually. I mean, I know I was invited to a couple Zoom calls and. Uh, the number of people that were on it was was pretty overwhelming. Uh, yeah. So, how, what was the process in that? And then, um, uh, it also, maybe you can talk about how many affiliates because you have official affiliates, and so I'd be curious yeah. what what that means. Uh, you know, in being part of this. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, so we had that meeting and that luncheon, and it was just clear that you know um, this would be a good way to serve. The body of Christ, and so we said, let's do something official, and l- let's try and uh, and see who would be interested in it, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I had had a conversation with uh, with Dan Wetzel and with another pastor named Myron Dom. Um, I don't I don't know how many of these names you know, but um, and it was yeah, clear know, to me I that know Wetzel Wetzel well, and 
I know John Fogel has also been part of Yeah, John Fogel has been such a blessing. Um, just good men that love the CMA, love the word of God, want to be a blessing to the kingdom. And it was clear they they thought something needed to be started too. Mm-hmm. And so it was like you start talking to these other, in my opinion, much wiser men. And former uh, leaders me. in the denomination as well. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I would say that's kind of how it started expanding. You know, it started touching base with certain leaders. It was clear to me that they agreed uh, that this was something that God was doing and uh, and that would be a real blessing. And so we organized the first Zoom call. We had no idea who would show up. We thought, well, maybe it's just going to be like seven people like because we didn't really invite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We just said, hey, uh, this is what we're thinking about doing. Um, here's a spreadsheet with we literally started a spreadsheet, a Google Doc spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we were like, it, it, you know, send this to your friends like you can spread this. I don't care who who mm-hmm. sees this list or who adds their name to it or who whatever. Um, but, uh, that was kind of funny, you know, cause it started off with just, I think believe there were nine of us and we said, just share it with whoever you want. Mm-hmm. And I was watching that list just grow and grow and grow. And so we said, well, when we had our first meeting, let's send out an email to everybody on that list and just invite them and see who shows up. And we were thinking, I don't know, I don't know who's going to show up. And mm-hmm. then it was the, the turnout was, was pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so so now you can become an affiliate. Uh, what does that mean, and how many are there? Yeah, uh, you know, I honestly I should have counted how many we had before this meeting because I knew you. I know it's it's at least a hundred, hundred and fifty, something like that. I believe we have well over three hundred on our mailing list, um, and there's probably people on our mailing list that are totally against. Uh, I shouldn't say totally. Who are who are a better way to put that. There are probably people on our mailing list that are very wary of us. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they find quickly that we just love the Lord Jesus, love yeah, his word, yeah. feel passionately about these things and want to bless the denomination. And yeah, we differ with you on these, on this, on this main issue. But I think I, I don't see why uh, everybody in the Alliance can't agree to at least seven of our eight mm-hmm. uh, core commitments, you know, yeah. um, maybe yeah. expository preaching, maybe they'd have a different view on that and that's fine. But mm-hmm. uh but anyway, um, yeah, so about 140, 50, 60, I don't know. Um, I think it's actually, actually, I, I counted the other day. I think it's actually over 200, but I could be. Is it? It might be. Could you be could wrong. be right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just looked at the website and counted how many uh, cross and then went down and multiplied. Gotcha. It. But, but I was never good gotcha. at math, Jeremy, so <laughs> could be totally wrong. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because you you become um much larger or broader than just uh, a movement that's addressing women in ministry. And that's obvious in your ACOR commitment. So at, at what was the the reason for uh, not just making this about ordaining women, but, but realizing there's a need for something broader? And did that come out of, uh, do you think that there's, I, I know there are a lot of people that feel this, I'd be curious what you thought, that that decision came out of because of other concerns uh, that this is a product maybe of, of drifting of, of some kind. Yeah, I would say, so what, what I would say is I think the foundation of, you got to go back to the root of everything. You know, what, what is the, what is the, the one thing that keeps us from drifting in any area? It's, it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we wanted to make this network, not just about one particular issue, but we want to make this network uh, be a blessing 
for the denomination and for other churches that are a part of it too. We have non-CMA churches that are a part of it, but mm-hmm. mainly for the CMA, we want it to be uh, a, an instrument that God could use to help promote the sufficiency and authority of scripture. If you could say like the one banner that's over the network, that's what it is. It's just to promote those things by promoting those eight core commitments. One of those core commitments we had to be very specific about because that was the main issue. I think that was the, that was sort of the, the straw you could say that broke um, the camel's back for some people. And, uh, it was that, in my mind, a uh, very clear sign that uh, there was a shift. And I think some people don't even realize it. Um, and I'm sure I have things in my life and in my theology that I don't realize right now. But um, a shift away from a historical view of biblical manhood and womanhood and, and roles in the church uh, can quickly um lead to a shift away from other things because the hermeneutic that that's built on mm-hmm. uh the, the approach to interpreting scripture and all of that 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 view is built on is normally i'm not saying always but normally uh, a sign that there is a um there's something wrong with the way that you view scripture and the way that you especially that you interpret it mm-hmm. so so that's why we made it about scripture rather than just that issue because yeah. we think it needs to be about scripture um, yeah. So, so to be an affiliate, you agree with eight core commitments, and I'm I'm assuming you're implying here that this decision by the alliance came out of because of perhaps a a softness in in our uh, our theology, our approach to scripture, uh, and I, I so I love the fact that this this is broader than just that one issue, although it's it is one of the issues. In there, right. so let, let's talk about those eight core commitments. Uh, maybe just give what they are, and then give a a brief explanation. Yeah, I can do that um, quickly. I'd say real quick before I, I say that, though, I, I think the denominations. I think our statement of faith is solid. I think the things that we say we believe are are, are true and good. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, you know every generation has to you know stake its claim. You know what I mean, and say I'm going to stand on this. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like it, it's time for this next generation coming up to say, okay, what do we believe, and what is the foundation of all that we believe, and and so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is is I I'm not saying that the denomination is unfaithful or I wouldn't be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I, I want to help the denomination this way because I see signs that we could be drifting away from what yeah. we have held to, and I'm concerned about that. And you know, um, I feel like. Uh, this is a this is our duty. When you love somebody, you do what is most loving and what is best for them. And I feel like this is the most loving way to interact with the denomination. But uh, so the, the the core commitments, uh, the first core commitment is scripture. Um, that's just the foundation of all of them. And we, more, more specifically, we say we're committed to both the authority and sufficiency of the word of God. Um, the next core commitment is hermeneutics. Um, we're committed to a historical grammatical approach for the interpretation of the word of God. Um, we're, we're committed, in other words, to an interpretive method that takes into account the historical setting that the scriptures were written in, that the words that were used, and the author's intention when they wrote those words. And uh, we just did a good podcast on the One Nine podcast on hermeneutics. So you can check that out on our website. Yeah, I'll, I'll link that. I watched that. It was very good. Yeah, that... That one is a good one. Um, 
I feel like Joel did a great job. Uh, expository preaching would be one that's somewhat unique. I don't think, uh, I don't know if everyone would agree with that in the CMA. And I wouldn't say that if you don't practice expository preaching that uh, you're you're going to hell or you, you don't get it. Or mm-hmm. I, I guess what I would say, if you don't practice expositional preaching, then you're being unfaithful to the mm-hmm. word of God. But um, because if you're practicing eisegesis and reading things into the text and all that, but uh, we are very much committed to a text-driven preaching um, model that accurately proclaims the word of God. And whether that's serial exposition where you're going verse by verse through the books of the Bible or just having a, uh, a sermon on a certain, it can be topical, but let a text of scripture mm-hmm. be the foundation for that sermon. Let it drive all of it. Let it drive every point. Let it drive the message. That's what we're talking about in expository preaching, and so yeah, and I and I my own reaction to the alliance again. I I listen a lot. I've been in this a lot. Is I think we we have drifted in that one particular area the the most, uh, yeah. and it con- it concerns me. Uh, when I was pastoring my last church, someone came to me and said, "Hey, when are you going to preach on homosexuality?" And I said, "When it when it's in the text." Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll get to it when it's in the passage, and and of course uh, you know if you are committed to exegetical or expository preaching, uh, you will cover some of these tough issues. You know you're not going to do an end run around it. So right. I, I hope that's the one thing that that uh, is influenced the most here is for pastors to uh, to get either get back to that or get to that for the first time if that's never right. been in practice. Um, I would highly recommend it. I mean, yeah. we're called to teach the whole counsel of God. Uh, it's not impossible to do it any other way, but it's a whole lot harder to do it if you're not actually going verse by verse through books of the Bible, teaching passages in their context. And um, I just don't know how how the – I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough uh, to come up with, you know, the right topic every single month. Yeah, and it's it's a lot it's a lot of hard work to do that. It's uh it's actually easier to take the text and and preach it through. My my pastor a couple weeks ago uh, got up and said, "Today I'm just going to preach verse by verse." I'm like, "Yes," and I I looked around and it it was the one Sunday I saw the most people looking in their looking in their Bible, looking up at him, looking back in their Bible, looking up at him. And yeah. uh, and it was the best sermon that I've heard him preach, and I hope he's not listening. Uh, yeah. If he is, if he is, he was encouraged because I I let him know after. Um, but yeah, so um, the next one. Yeah, so uh, after expository preaching is uh, Christ centeredness. Uh, we're committed to promoting the fourfold gospel: Christ as our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King, as He's presented in the Word. Uh, and that's the main thing. It's as He's presented yeah. in the Word. You know, I think sometimes. When we've gotten off base, whether it be on the issue of sanctification or mm-hmm. healing in our denomination, those have been a couple that have, at mm-hmm. times, been a little quirky with certain people. Not all, not all, but mm-hmm. um, it's because we've gotten away from the scripture, yeah. and so um, we're very much Christ-centered. But we want to be centered on the Christ of the Bible. Yeah. I'd love to do a podcast on healing and the atonement sometime. Oh, I would love that too. With someone, I'll I'll let you be the first to volunteer because I I think your generation is viewing that differently than our generation did. I I'm yeah. I'm, I'm seeing people question that, and I think it needs to be questioned because it uh, it, it was easy just to say, "Hey, Simpson meant this by it. We're all going to believe it." But again, mm-hmm. we need to test everything according to Scripture. And and uh, yeah, I'm not saying I I necessarily disagree with 
healing in the atoma, but the way it's been applied or 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 utilized. Is, yeah, so. yeah. I've seen uh, I, I've seen some folks that have a really healthy view of Christ mm-hmm. as our healer in the and and of course everything good that comes to us comes to us because of the atonement. Mm-hmm. Even the common grace that lost people receive each day, I think, was purchased in the atonement. Mm-hmm. But but we can talk more about that later. I, yeah. Yeah. Three different podcasts. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm giving you too much work. Yeah. Uh, so spirit dependency would be the next one. Um, we're just committed to reliance on the Holy Spirit uh, as he works through the church, through his people, um, using the word and according to the word. Um, next would be the Great Commission. We're committed to evangelism, discipleship, and church planting locally and globally as commanded by the word of God. And and we specifically put church planting in there. We think mm-hmm. that is a part of the Great yes. Commission. It yes. is not an option whether or not we plant a church somewhere, uh, evangelism and discipleship have not been uh, fulfilled in the proper way if a church is not planted. Mm-hmm. And that was A.B. Simpson's vision. A.B. Simpson's vision was not to see every person necessarily hear the gospel. His, his vision, I think, if, if I remember right, I could be wrong, uh, but was to see a church in every village. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, the next one would be complementarian design. Uh, we're committed to the equality. Bingo. Of men. Yeah, yeah. We're getting to the 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 more hot uh, buttons, but I think even soft complementarians could agree to this one. Egalitarians mm. couldn't, but I think mm. soft complementarians could. Uh, committed to the equality of men and women before God with distinct roles, including male headship in the church and the home, as described in the Word of God. Um, I think our polity right now uh, honors that uh, mm-hmm. in, in the CMA. Uh, men only can be elders. Um, and not just any men, but biblically qualified men, called men. Um, but we are what committed your, to that. What is your, I have mentioned a few times to people, and I think in a previous podcast, I brought this up, that when a when, when a woman, anybody who preaches the perception of the congregation is that that person at that moment is functioning as an elder, is functioning as a shepherd. So regardless of the title, there's still that that perception uh, yeah, that looking to as someone having spiritual authority. How how do you address that concern? Yeah, I would say this. I would say that um, I have a a very um, congregational kind of view of the gathered body, the gathered assembly. You know, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there, in the, and that's and that that passage is in the context of speaking about church discipline. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, but it's and still so true. Right, we're acting with the authority mm-hmm. of Christ in that moment. There is something special about the church gathered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's my opinion that when the church gathers, that the elders and uh, uh, or you could call them pastors or overseers or whatever would be the ones that would be explaining and teaching the word of God, teaching doctrine. Mm-hmm. And so um, my my own view on that is, is that uh, that is an elder job. The elder's mm-hmm. responsibility is when the church comes together to teach the word, to teach right and sound doctrine. And um, not that women can't participate in the service, not that they can't mm-hmm. read scripture, not that they can't pray, not that they can't sing, not that they can't do all the things that that uh, any church member you know, should be able to do. But uh, I would say not even uh, non-elder qualified men should be preaching yeah. in that yeah. gathering. Yeah. And so um, anyways, uh, but Jonathan Lehman has a great article on this. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nine Marks Ministries. I, I am, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Lehman wrote an article a while back where he uh, outlined Tim Keller and John Piper's 
view on uh, big T teaching versus small T teaching. They say there's two kinds of teaching, and I, I would be in agreement with that, that there's authoritative capital T teaching that's to be done by elders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is small T teaching, which is to be done by every Christian mm-hmm. um, in some way should be preaching and teaching the gospel and discipling and those kinds of things. And they would just say that, uh, you know, um, that, that women can teach men in small T teaching environments, but they don't ever define what those environments yeah, are. At sun, least, at Sunday least, school or right, small group or yeah. Right. And, and I would be in agreement about the big T and small T. I would just say the gathered assembly would be the time for big T teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, Jonathan Lehman has a real similar view. It's in his article, I think called, I think it's called "Should Women Preach?" But I'm okay. not exactly okay. sure. You'll have to look yeah, that we'll up on nine. For that, I'll put that when I hear an article mentioned. I promise to put that on my website, and usually I forget, so but I will write that down. Yeah, it's um, very helpful. Yeah. So the uh, the final one is uh, church leadership. Yeah, the last point. So after the Great Commission and complementarian design is church leadership. Um, we're committed to a singular office of church leadership reserved for qualified men, synonymously titled pastor, elder, and overseer mm-hmm. in the word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Peter 5, Acts chapter 20, you, you have these examples of, um, you know, this teaching or, or communication about pastors, elders, and overseers, mm-hmm. and those words are used interchangeably. Um the, the church has seen it for the most part that way for the last 2000 years. I know there have been different groups and different people that have seen it differently. And Paul King will get on here and tell you that lots in the CMA have seen it differently, <laughs> but uh, by and large, um, the, the church has held to uh, this view that elder pastor and overseer are the same office. And so um, we see that in the scriptures uh, th- that's the way that we would interpret those passages. And we've seen it in church history. So we made it a, a core commitment uh, because yeah. we feel like it's it's an area where there's some confusion right now. Yeah, and the whole the whole decision was was really centered around that that battle of of you know elder pastor right conversation. So, what is your you know you want to be you want to have influence from the inside? What's your strategy moving forward? What is the way to have maximum influence? Uh, how, how are you going to have impact with this, with one, one nine Alliance? Well, for one, um, we want to put out good resources mm-hmm. and be an encouragement. You know, we started a podcast. We also have started writing articles. Um, the first articles are going to be kind of centered around our core commitments and explaining each one in more detail, what we mean by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there will be other articles released later on. Uh, we also want to put on a, a conference every couple years, you know what I mean, and, and have good examples of expository preaching, um, ha- have uh, just a chance for people to get together, have some camaraderie. We, we really want to have a directory, just uh, which is why it's so important, I think, for people to affiliate. Our affiliates, um, it, they can choose an option to be in the directory at some point here to where if you're like looking for a good missionary to partner with that would be like-minded on these issues, mm-hmm. You can find a missionary for your church to partner with, or if you're looking for people in your area, maybe that are that are like-minded. Um, if you're looking at doing a church plant or something like that, and you really need to have strong, um, you need to have people that are that have similar commitments. I, sh- I should say mm-hmm. uh, to these things, then you can find people that way. Um, it's not that we're not partnering at all with uh, the folks that we differ with on these things, but mm-hmm. it, there are certain partnerships where you need to have. 
uh, a more common understanding. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, yeah, we think it'll be really, really good for for building partnerships. Uh, and so that's what kind of our goal moving forward is to help yeah. people find other people who are um, who are like minded, but at the same time to give them good resources uh, that would be a blessing that would be also too produced by CMA folks. Yeah. Um, the CMA hasn't been a real robust, even though we've been faithful, we've not been a real robust theological movement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, we, A.W. Tozer, you know what I mean. I guess some people would say, you know, Robbie Zachariah, some of the good thinkers that that have been mm-hmm. affiliated with the denomination, part of the denomination. Um, but we're not really known for that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and, that's a really good point. And yeah, so, so part of your part of your strategy is. Yeah, part of your strategy then is to equip leaders and then recommend them or uh, encourage right. them to run run for uh, positions, offices, you know, d- district superintendents, members of the board of manager. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, when you were young in ministry, if you had really been aware of where things were going, that you might have been more engaged. I think you were insinuating that, right? So you know, most it, certainly, I mean, I, I could have yeah. done a much better job. Yeah. It's not that I wasn't our encouragement all, would be but. to younger pastors or any pastor to, to really realize you have a, you know, you have, you have a responsibility to, uh, to vote according yeah. to your conscience, as we say. You I'm have a coming. stewardship, volunteer yeah. 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 and build relationships. Don't yeah. just sit at home and not go to any district stuff. Yeah. Don't, don't just, you know what I mean? Never attend these conferences and things. No, go build relationships, yeah. even with people that you differ with. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're brothers or sisters in Christ. Go and, and and love people and do what you can do to be a blessing. And that I think that means volunteering to serve yeah. when there are opportunities for you to serve in ways that you're gifted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, licensing, ordaining committees. I think those are critical yeah. uh, positions. Um, okay, back to my question earlier. What would be the point? You don't have to answer this. Uh, you might e- not even know how to answer this. Uh, but if if what would discourage you if if the you know your desire to influence was not successful you know in terms of or if things got worse you know what would be the point for you uh, where we would say we're we're done or yeah yeah I guess I guess well I'd say this um, if I was forced to do anything that I felt was unbiblical in my local church I would have to out of submission to my king say no. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I don't know if, what that looks like. I don't know if it always looks like leaving or sometimes it just looks like willfully disobeying uh, authority when it goes against God's authority. Yeah, uh, We see that in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles say we must obey God rather than men. And so does that look like leaving? I, I don't know. Um, I would say when we can no longer have, and this is kind of a subjective, not a really objective answer, but when we feel like we will have a much greater impact by leaving mm-hmm. and by staying for the sake of the Great Commission, then I think we need to leave because life is short and yeah. the Great Commission is very important. Yeah, so that's a good that's a good answer. What has been the reaction of the leadership of the Alliance to One Alliance? I, I can man, I here, here's what I can say about our leadership. And I can say it with just a clear conscience and just joy in my heart. They have been a blessing mm. in this. They have not come in and tried to um shut us down or anything like that. They they said there's a place for traditional complementarians and they're mm. standing behind it. Yeah, good. Uh they are totally standing behind that. And, you know, I, I've met with 
Terry Smith. I met with my DS, David Lane. Um, these are, these are dear brothers that I love, mm-hmm. um, that, that I, I, I trust their integrity. Um, they have stood behind what they have said. Uh, and even though that they would, I, I think differ with us on, uh, that number eight, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that is something that is clear in the Bible. They wouldn't say it was clear. I don't think, but, yeah. uh, they've loved us well. They've, they've extended the hand of fellowship and they've said, you know, they appreciate what we're doing because I think they recognize our heart and the people on our leadership team, most of them already have good relationships in our denomination and are trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess credibility, doesn't it? It does. You know, yeah. you know, our motive is definitely not to sow discord. It's definitely not to be that group that kind of just is over there that picking fights all the time. That's not at all who we are and what yeah. we want to do. Yeah. If we wanted, if we wanted to sow discord and we wanted to pitch a stink and and form a coup, we would have already taken a group of people mm-hmm. and we'd say we're yeah. gone. Uh, yeah. And a lot of churches have done that; they they've left. And hopefully, the fact that we're staying is yeah is evidence. Yeah, that you, we, you, this has been a strong but gracious response, not a reaction. It's been a response to what has happened, and it's a it's good that's come out of a very difficult situation. And uh, and who knows who will we we will be as a denomination 10, 20 years uh, from now. You know, we we're hoping that we can be a, a help. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, when the name changes from Christian Missionary Alliance to One Nine Alliance, you know you've succeeded, right? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. I, I want it to stay the Christian Missionary no, Alliance for sure. No, no. I'm saying if that that if yeah. you've been that effective that. The CMA wants to change its name to this. That would be oh, I see what you're saying. Success. Well, uh, I love I love to uh, to close by asking if roles would were reversed here, and you were interview interviewing me on this subject. What one question would you ask? And on this subject, okay, um, what would you say uh, to a young pastor or a young missionary gal who? was a strong complementarian and they were, they're getting ready to graduate from seminary and they were debating mm. on whether or not to come into the CMA and they were worried mm. that, that the CMA might be um, unfaithful or they were mm. worried about the direction of the CMA. What would you say to them in regards wow. to joining the denomination? Ooh, well, you have asked me the toughest question I've ever been asked to close a podcast. Well, for one thing, I've been encouraged by the, most people that I've seen who lean this way are younger pastors. That encourages me. I think there's a uh, there's a movement, uh, you know, towards. I mean, not not necessarily reform theology, but a lot of young guys are more reformed, and and with that comes, yeah, uh, you know, a, a consistent uh, view that we have to to the this issue of of women in ministry. Um, wow. Uh, I would I would probably encourage them to uh, lean on people who are like minded, who have been in it a long time, like you, like me. And um, yeah, you know, Jeremy, I don't know how to answer that. That's a tough one because I, you know, I've got. Well, I asked it because I'm curious. Because yeah, I, yeah, I don't. That's, know that's how my to, greatest concern. Yeah, you know? yeah, you know, I'm I'm mentoring. Um, Every year, I'm I end up mentoring one or two students from Tacoma Falls College. And, God bless you. Uh, and this this is this issue has not come up, but uh, we do talk about you know deep theological issues. I I, I really am curious on uh, this generation's view on on sexuality, and and I'm really concerned with what I hear there, and and that concerns yeah. me too. With this, I mean, we won't get we don't need to get into it deeply here, but. Uh, 
Uh, I personally have a concern that this decision to ordain women will lead to, uh, you know, softening on on sexuality issues. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, it's it's maybe it's just my. Yeah, I hope here. not. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. Well, I, I hope not either. Um, but you know what? I'm going to think about that question. <laughs> yeah, think about it, brother. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's... yeah. But I, I would say definitely encourage them to to hang out with with people that are like minded. Let them uh, give you uh, advice on how to move forward. Cause I think there's a place you can, again, you can find a church that's, that's like-minded you. I think what's harder is the overseas piece, um, because the majority of missionaries are supportive of this. And, yeah. um, and there's more the, you know, team leaders. And well, team the majority of pastors are too. I mean, the majority yeah, of the nomination yeah. is, or it wouldn't right, have passed. Right, and right, that's that's yeah. the struggle. Yeah, but our structure is changing. You know, our, our our leadership structure. There are more women now that are uh, functioning as team leaders overseas. You know, on on fields, we're set up as as teams on the field. Right. And, um, and since this decision is made, I've seen a couple cases where women have been assigned leadership roles. So it it's uh, yeah, it's it's sticky. But I would not say. I mean, particularly if someone's invested a lot to be in this track you know, towards Alliance missions or, or pastoring, um, you know, don't give up, keep, keep pursuing it. And you could be, a, you could be the change we're looking for. You know, that's, that's maybe, that's maybe what we need is to see young people who, who have this conviction, who uh, can change where they are, you know, from where Well, that's part of my prayer, you know, you know? Yeah. that's part of why we formed the network too, is like yeah. Yeah, in recruiting sure. young people, it's really, really hard that most of our people for our internship, for example, in our church, from Southern Seminary, mm-hmm. which is complementarian through and yeah. through, and mostly reformed, and and so, you know, it's to be able to say, hey, you know, we're part of a network within the mm-hmm. denomination that has those same convictions. Come yeah. join us. Uh, yeah. We're hoping this is part of the answer, but mm-hmm. I, I'm as uh, I'm as curious as you about how yeah. to how to. I don't know if you. I think you said trust the spirit. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Trust the spirit well, to lead them. Yeah, but. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, if you if if churches are planting churches, you want you want solid people leading, you know, in right. in those ministries. So that's where you can direct young people going into ministry who have a a burden for this. So, well, Jeremy, great job, uh, great conversation. Oh, uh, I enjoyed it, brother. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, and um, I look forward to putting this out and uh, keep up the good work. Hey, you as well, brother. Okay, Thank you. Take, take care. Bye. God bless. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about today on Before You Quit or any other podcast, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. Uh, you can also go to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, where you'll find uh, now 120 podcasts. But we've also revamped that website. It's also the ministry website for Fruitful Vine Ministry. And you can go there and see who we are, what we do. Uh, you can see information about our leadership team. There's also a ministry health assessment there that I've just recently developed. I would encourage you to look at that and uh, go through that yourself. Um, see how well you're doing. Maybe recommend that to your pastor 
uh, I'm sure they'll benefit greatly. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. Thank you.